Jesus says, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was a gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Father, the Son, except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So this is the first part, part one of this teaching section um, from Jesus, and the question for these two verses, or three verses, is why do so few seem to follow the Lord Jesus? That's the question we're going to focus on today. Why do so few want to seem to follow the Lord Jesus? And that's um, it's a good question. It's an appropriate question for us today. Here we are, the second floor of the Swiss church, um, uh, in a tiny room uh, in a church with probably more than 150 people uh, in a part of London which probably sees half a million people coming in most days and going out at the end of the day, every single day. So why do so few of these people what seem to be wanting to follow the Lord Jesus? Um, it's a good question, I think it's an appropriate question to ask. Um, and this is true in our lives, in our offices, as well as out of the office. Uh, so year after year, you might, you might notice society seems to grow less interested in Christian things. Um, sometimes I feel like it's getting even more antagonistic. Um, the latest census suggests that England as a country has never been less Christian. Um, I'm not quite sure what that means, but um, why is it uh, that precisely in our era of great scientific discoveries and technological advances, people seem to be so ready to reject Christianity, uh, at, least, at least in the West? Uh, some studies even seem to suggest that each year spent at university makes one 10% less likely to stay religious, which is interesting. Um, the general perception is that the more you know, the less likely you are to be interested in what Jesus has to say. Um, and that, that is the reason why most of your colleagues uh, think that all Christians must have some sort of, um, some sort of deep-seated personal issue, or, or that Christians are somewhat unstable, uh, or simply not particularly clever. You might think of someone and that, that might correspond to the truth. Uh, but that is what our society thinks, that's what our colleagues think. It could, could even be what, what you think. We're going to mute the Zoom. So why do so few follow Jesus? Is it modern education? Is it the internet? Or is it that religion simply is no longer able to provide answers to our questions? Um, and there are lots of things that the Bible has to say about that. Uh, but today, in chapter 11 we, of Matthew's Gospel, um, we're going to focus on, on, on what Jesus seems to suggest. Um, and he seems to suggest that those cannot possibly be the reasons for Christian decline. Uh, in fact, we've already seen in this chapter the rejection of Jesus. Um, that was almost a month ago now. Uh, but um, uh, in this chapter, Jesus was actively rejected. And it was not a rejection of Christianity, or just of the church, but of Jesus, the person. Um, and if you remember what we saw, um, he was rejected by those of the towns of Galilee, who knew him, who saw his miracles uh, with their own eyes. And this is how they're described, if you look at verse 16 of chapter 11, that's how these people are described. 
or Jesus said, but to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to the playmates. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. It doesn't matter what Jesus says or does. Play the flute or sing a dirge. They are not interested in the evidence. They simply won't accept that he's the Messiah. So, all that to say that this idea that modern, the modern world has finally decided to reject Jesus simply can't stand. Jesus, even when in person, was rejected by those who saw him and saw his miracles. Um, Jesus, from the very beginning, is the one who, to use a popular political phrase, was followed by the few and rejected by the many. So if it's not a, just a Western society that has suddenly decided to reject Christianity, again, why do so few want to follow the Lord Jesus today? And let's see what verses 25 and 26 have to tell us about that. Jesus says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding, and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Why do so few follow the Lord Jesus? The answer is, because it is the Father's will. That's our first point. And my guess is that this might surprise you. Um, for two reasons. Firstly, um, this is our first surprise, um, is that this is the Father's will. It's the Father's will um, that, that that is the reason for this rejection. We've seen this rejection of Jesus from so many, but now we discover that it was actually God's doing over long. It is God the Father who has ordained that many will reject Jesus as the Christ, the promised King. Uh, and rejection is not something that takes him by surprise. Um, in fact, he has actively hidden these things from their eyes. And this is a big idea in the Bible that even though people are fully responsible for their rejection of God, uh, God in reality is the one who hides from some and reveals himself to others. Who does he hide from? Who are these people who are being blinded? These are the people of the previous few verses of Galilee, the people of the towns of Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. And if you look at the start of verse 25, he said, At that time, Jesus declared, It is as he is denouncing these unrepentant towns that he says these words. These towns of Galilee are described as the wise and understanding. In what sense are they wise? Well, it must be that they're wise in their own eyes, right? They clearly consider themselves learned about the things of God. Um, they've been going to the synagogue since the days of Sunday school, which for them would be Saturday school. Um, they know Jesus, they so, saw him growing up, they know his family. And they might be saying, he can't possibly be right. Oh, yes, the miracles are quite. They're quite special, so handy to have my sort of back fixed. But surely, if there is anyone who needs repenting, that can't possibly be us. Um, we are God's people, after all. Don't need Jesus. They are wise in their own eyes. And I wonder if that sounds familiar to us. Um, you might have heard of something like, yeah, he might have been a great teacher, this Jesus, uh, but I don't think of him as God. And if there is a God, why would he want to judge me? I haven't killed anyone. Um, I went to good school, I was baptised as a baby. I even bought an electric car recently. Um, so many that we know are wise in their own eyes. 
And being wise in our own eyes is a dangerous thing. In 1962, Decca Records auctioned the Beatles for the first time. You might have heard of the story. Uh, and after two weeks, they called the, the Beatles manager, the band's manager, and they said to him, we're really sorry, uh, but we can't sign you. Uh, we believe that bands are out, over. Especially four-piece groups with guitars, particularly, they're over. Now, that is wisdom in our own eyes for you. Um, when you think that you know best, when you think that you've seen it all, and when you think, what could Jesus possibly add to my life? And that's our friends and colleagues, I think, isn't it? Um, that's what they think. Um, and I guess that if you have a decent job and a decent lifestyle, and read the FT and listen to Alistair Campbell and the rest of his politics, what else could Jesus possibly offer that you haven't got already? Don't get me wrong, this is not hatred of Jesus, not, it's not active persecution of Jesus. Um, it's simple indifference. And Jesus is saying that indifference is the worst possible position to be in. Those who think they are in the category of the wise and understanding, um, who think that they have God sussed out, who don't need any more teaching, those are the ones from whom God hides. What a horrible position to be in. He will, however, reveal himself to little children. And this is an expression we've seen already in chapter 10, verse 42, where it says, And whoever gives one of these little ones, literally little children, even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Jesus is talking about his disciples. Those who have followed him, who have recognised their need to be taught and their need to repent, who don't come to Jesus flaunting their achievements, but instead humbly come to learn from him. So that was our first surprise. The second surprise of these verses, we sort of skipped it, is, is that Jesus is thankful to his Father for this. In fact, he calls it his gracious will in verse 26. Now, how can this discrimination from the Father, because it is a discrimination, how can this discrimination, can, how can it be a gracious thing? Why are these verses something we should be proud of and not something we should be ashamed of? Why are they good news? Well, according to Jesus, this discrimination is good news. We shouldn't be embarrassed about it. Because through this, through this discrimination, God provides real inclusion. Um, think about it. Imagine if the verses read differently. If the verses said that uh, if it were only the wise and understanding the ones to whom the Father revealed himself. How awful would that be? Christianity would no longer would be like knowledge contest who wants to be a Christian now. Um, it would be a question of studying long and hard until you manage to figure out God. We would all go around showing off our spiritual credentials. I've done this, I've been there, I met that person back in my day. Um, it would be a bit like a rough sizzle, I suppose. Um, much of Christianity functions like that. Many think that what one needs is a special knowledge of some kind that only few can access. Um, many feel that they need to demonstrate their spirituality either through increasingly long clothing or increasingly long facial hair. Um, I'm not including myself in that category. Um, however, God 
isn't interested in the great few, he wants to include the many. He discriminates in order to include. And this is why he hides himself from the wise and understanding and reveals himself to little children. Those who have nothing to bring to the table and simply want to listen and to learn from Jesus himself. And if you notice how different this is from our way of thinking. Sometimes as a conversation starter, I like to ask the question, if you could choose, which celebrity would you like to have in the new creation? Think about it. Now, it's a really silly question in so many ways, right? Um, but it does reveal what we value in people. Um, who would you want to spend eternity with? Um, I normally say Lionel Messi, the football player, and, and Stephen Fry, the comedian. Uh, the first one uh, is, is, you might think this is a bit ridiculous, and you're probably right, uh, but it does say something about what I value. So the first one is a great footballer and a great guy. The second one is um, very witty, really clever, and I like him. And that is the kind of stuff we value, isn't it? If it were up to us, we would choose, and we would include probably the famous, the powerful, the smart, the best of the best in our own eyes. That's how we think. But thankfully, God is different from us. He chooses to reveal himself, not to the great, but to those who see themselves as little children. It is a discrimination that provides real inclusion because it allows anyone to be included if they come as a little child. So why do so few follow the Lord Jesus? Because it is the Father's gracious will, and that's something to be thankful for, I think. So when very few in our office are interested in things to do with Jesus, that's okay. It shouldn't surprise us. Um, it's not a defeat in any way. God is not failing if, if he can't fill this building every single week. This is his gracious will. We simply need to continue inviting people to be like little children. So we now move more briefly to our second point in verse 27. And here we see that this work of hiding and revealing from the Father is actually done by the Son. So revealed by the Son. Jesus says in 27, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one is the Father, and this the Son except the Father, and no one is the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Jesus explained, if you will, the policy of God's revelation, and now he explains that he himself is the one who executes this policy. He has been handed, handed over all authority by the Father. 1997 was the year of the handover of, of the city-state Hong Kong from, by the UK to the Republic of China. Um, some of you, not me, might remember it. Um, uh, you might remember the ceremony on television when the Union Jack was lowered from its mast and then handed over to the last governor, last British governor in the city. Uh, at that moment, all power was handed over to the local government uh, under Chinese form now here we see all things, all the power of God, handed over by the Father to the Son. And that's quite a claim from Jesus. And what does he do with his power? With his power, he carries out God's gracious will by choosing to reveal the Father to some and to hide it from others. And we see that at the end of verse 27. 
And we see that this choosing that the sun does, it's not like some sort of VIP pass into some exclusive club. Um, Jesus is not offering tickets to Taylor Swift concerts or to the Champions League final. It is something unthinkably more exclusive. Jesus, the son, the son, the son, offers a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. What is revealed is not, is not something about God, it's not a spiritual insight of some sort. The language here is that of knowing. As the Father knows the Son, and as the Son knows the Father, we can also know the Father through the Son. It is a family relationship. Uh, father and Son, and the Father has given authority to the Son to include into this family those he chooses. Um, just think about it for a moment. Have you ever received this kind of family invitation by anyone? I haven't. I can't just, on Christmas Day, show up at someone's home and expect to be served at the family's table. Well, here Jesus chooses to offer access to the family table of God. Pretty special. And finally, we see that this personal relationship with the Father has only one possible entry route. Jesus says that no one knows the Father except the Son. Only the Son can reveal him. There isn't one bit of information about God that you and I can access which does not come from the mouth of Jesus. Isn't that striking? If you think about all the ideas about God and about the afterlife and spirituality that are out there, Jesus wants us to know that not a single one of them is based on any kind of first-hand knowledge whatsoever. So next time someone in the office tells you, I think God is a bit like this, or I like to think of God a bit like that, maybe you could simply ask them, how do you know? Did you see him? Did you speak to him? No, no, says Jesus, you can't possibly know. No one knows the Father except the Son. So if that is the case, if only the Son knows the Father, it follows that the logical conclusion, the logical thing to do is to Go to the Son. And we'll talk about it next week in detail when we look at the next few verses, but I'll let you peek into the following verse, verse 30, that starts with, Come to me. Obviously, you will want to come to Jesus, the Son. If he's the only one able to reveal the Father, where else would you go? Other forms of spirituality, scholars, modern gurus, and maybe that could be a great way for us to, to start talking about Christmas with our colleagues and friends in the next few weeks. Um, if you want to see God, if you want to know anything about God, well, you should come to Jesus, the Son, because what he offers is a personal relationship with the Father. That's his gracious will for the Son to reveal him to little children. Why don't I pray? Dear Father, we thank you that you have chosen to reveal yourself in the Son. You didn't have to do it to you um, from eternity. You had no reason to um, make yourself known. But we thank you that you've done so. Please help us uh, be thankful for that. And thankful for the fact that you are different from us. You do reveal yourself to, uh, 
to the humble, the contrite, those who come to you wanting to learn, not to the wise and arrogant. And we thank you that you act in, in such manner. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.